Hi, sisters. Welcome to our Gospel of John teaching. Right now, we are currently going through John chapter one. This is a teaching that I had taught live previously. And so I am breaking this into four parts for you guys here on the podcast. However, if you want to listen to the whole teaching all at once, you can feel free to head over to our YouTube account at Be The Church. Show notes will have the link and you can listen to it there. So grab your Bibles because as we always do, we go verse by verse. Enjoy. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know that I have a study guide that I have written, sisters just like you, who really want to know the deeper things of God, who want to understand God's attributes like love, God is truth, God is righteous, he's just. What does it mean that he's omnipresent and omniscient? And what does that mean for you personally? When people talk about Jesus and being justified and sanctified and to be redeemed, and how can you apply it to your daily life? And so many other questions, like, can we really trust the Bible? And who are we as man? Is hell real? These are great questions that we need to know the answers to as we are walking in our Christ-like faith. To love him is to know him. And Jesus said that we will be worshiping him in spirit and truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. So if you want to go deeper in your walk with God and have more understanding of the things that he has truly done for you and know more of the word for yourself, I highly recommend this study guide. I will have a link for you in the show notes on where you can get it. It is on Amazon and it's called Equipping the Saints. I hope this episode blesses you. Okay, let's go uh, 12 and 13, Trey. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, but as many, so listen, so yeah, the spirit of rejection came. His own people, you know, rejected him. But he said, man, there were still many that did receive him. And he said, for those who receive him, he gave it the right to what? Become children of God. They now are in this new family. If they believe in his name, we now have the right to be a child of the living God what a privilege, what a right, what is something that was not afforded to us, especially as Gentiles. Remember, girls, we did the Ephesians, and it was so beautiful to see how we can we, we are now considered children of God, and especially as Gentiles. You know, and he says, but here's, here's one thing. So we have to believe in his name. We have to believe. And when it says believe in his name, that literally means believe in who he says he was. Now, again, who we think he is, right? Who he said he was. 
who he has presented himself to be. That's what it means to believe in his name, his character, his virtue, who he is, the son of the living God, God incarnate, the Messiah. We believe in that. So we believe in who he is by his name. But it says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. There's three ways we cannot be saved. One, your DNA. You cannot be saved because grandma and grandpa were Christians, because your mom and daddy were Christians, because you went to church all the time. You are, we're not saved through blood. We're not saved through the physical blood. Well, I, my mom was saved, which she wasn't. My mom was saved, so that means I'm saved. I'm a Christian because I was raised a Christian. I'm a Christian because my parents were Christian. No, that doesn't make you a Christian. Not at all. It, uh, by the will of the flesh, no matter how much you will it or desire it, it can't save you. Okay, or, or this great desire to be saved or a great desire to go to heaven. There's a lot of people that pretty much everybody wants to go to heaven. Just just, most people just don't want the God that's going to be there when they get there. That's why if you are in any Sunday school class at five, six, seven, eight, nine years old or the church camps and they ask everybody, does everybody here want to go to heaven? All, every kid will raise their hand. Okay, repeat this prayer after me. What kid is going to not raise their hand and want to go to heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Right? We all want to go to heaven, but we don't want the God, the holy God of Israel that's going to be there. So we can't get saved just by our own desire or will. And it says here, and not by the will of man. Your pastor cannot save you. Mommy cannot save you. Grandma cannot save you. Now we can pray. We can preach the gospel to you. We can disciple you. We can love you. We can tell you the truth. But no matter how much I pray for you, I can't save you. Only God. And that's what he's saying here. Only God, but God, God saves. It's a supernatural salvation. Only God can save you. And so that's who you need to repent to. You need to hear the gospel and repent to him and put your faith in him. And it's a supernatural work of Jesus Christ to save you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you go out and sell everything. It's really, it's a heart change. You know, it's a, it's a, your, your heart changes. Remember when you're in this world, as Satan's child, because that's what we're called, children of the devil, when we're not of God. Our heart is for this world. Our heart is connected here. We, we love everything here. We love money. We love entertainment. We love sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is. We're very grounded and rooted to this earth here. But then see what happens is you get snatched out of that by God and you get sealed by the Holy Spirit. He comes and makes a home with you, which we'll talk about here in a minute. You become a new person. You suddenly have new affections, right? And so the things that were anchoring you here to this earth should no longer have that power and dominion over you. Because now we're heavenly minded. Our home is up here now. It's in heaven. And I'm just here for a commission, the great commission, to go and preach the gospel to all nations, making disciples unto Jesus Christ. Okay, 14, four, just read 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John is saying here, the word became flesh. So God became flesh. Jesus Christ, he's a physical man. He's fully man now. He's here on this earth. Still fully God. That's called the hypostatic union. 100% man, 100% God. That's an essential doctrine. Don't forget it. He's still fully man and still fully God today in heaven. A lot of people don't even know that because they don't study their doctrines. But that's very important. And that is an orthodox doctrine. 
Okay? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. When that word dwelt literally means tabernacled. And I love that. I wish we could just sit here for the next hour and really talk about how amazing that is. But it goes back to when in the wilderness, God had them build a tabernacle in Exodus. And God, that's how God dwelt among the people in the Old Testament was through the tabernacle and then through the temple. And so this is exactly what he's saying. He tabernacled. Jesus tabernacled here on earth among us. It was now God with us. Again, this is God. Jesus is God. You can just read this over and over again. This is what John is trying to bring home. Jesus is God. And it is to be worshipped as God, to be honored as God. He is the second person of, this, of the Trinity. He's the second person of the Godhead. He is the Son. And say, okay, so, and, he, and we beheld his glory in the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. When he says we, be, we beheld his glory, we got to see his glory. John's talking about two different things here. One, the first part of his glory we got to see, they got, we got to see was that, that holiness. They had never seen a sinless, perfect man before. Someone who was sinless and perfect, full of compassion, truly holy, right? I don't know anybody. I couldn't spend a day with any of you and not, we not sin once, right? Even if we tried really, really hard, okay? But they were among for the first time ever. Oh, glory of God, the holiness of God, the moral standard of God. They were literally in that presence now. And then the other part of that glory is when they were on the Mount Transfiguration, when John, when they were on there with um, Peter, James, and John, they saw his face shining and the glory and his clothes were illuminated. He's talking about that as well. When they got to see that and it was like, oh my gosh, we really are standing among God. This is our Messiah. And so he's talking about the, the, that, the glory on the mount, but he's also talking about the moral glory that they got to see for the first time. For, um, verse 15 through... 16. Yeah, just do 15 and 16. Three. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. So John's just again saying, I just bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me. Now remember, John was born six months before Jesus, but he's saying, that doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. He is before me. Why? Preferred before me. How can Jesus be before him if he was actually born six months after him? Because he was there in the beginning. That's right. Again, he's bringing that home again. And you're going to see this throughout the whole Gospel of John. He's bringing it home again, just in case you didn't get it in the first 15 verses. He's eternal. He's always been. He's always existed. He didn't just exist when he was born as a baby. And he, so he's saying, that's why. And in his fullness, we have all received in grace for grace. That God, that unmerited favor, there's this fullness of it now that has now come onto the earth. That un, none of us deserve Jesus to come here. None of us. We're all sinners and none of us deserved it. But that fullness of grace has now arrived onto the scene and is going to make a way where there was no way for us. There was no way. And it's enough grace, that fullness he's talking about, it's enough grace to save all the elect through all the ages, the past 2,000 plus years. It's been enough grace. 
enough grace to save all of us. It wasn't just enough. It wasn't just like a little portion that was only going to save a few in the Jewish nation or maybe a few for the first 50 years. This has been 2,000 plus years. That grace is still, that fullness is still being poured out upon humanity. Okay, 17. For the law was given through Mo- uh, through Moses. Grace and truth came came through Jesus Christ. No one, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has He has made Him known. Amen. So the law versus grace. So for the law was given through Moses, but grace through Jesus Christ. But anyway, so the so Moses gave the law. The law could not be the law. What the law did in the Old Testament was it just showed us our desperate need. The law just showed us our desperate need of a savior. What the law did was it showed them, hey, this is the standard, and nobody could keep that standard. The law gave us the rules of the game, but not the power to keep the rules. That's what the law did, right? So the law shows us our need for a Savior, and that's exactly what the law did. So that was the law. Um, It's something that we had to obey, but if we failed to obey it, the penalty is death. That was the law. The law was just given to us to show us how much in desperate need we were of the Messiah. The Old Testament people, they looked towards that Messiah because they were reminded every day that they could not keep this law perfectly, right? And that's why they had to sacrifice the lambs, and we'll get to that. But here comes Jesus, whose grace and truth, it says Jesus Christ came with great, Moses came with the law, but now this Messiah has come onto the scene who now is going to give us the indwelling Holy Spirit, who now we have the power To now conquer sin. We now have the ability. That sin debt that we all owed from the fountain because of our sinful nature through Adam, we now have a way to go to heaven, and that debt has been paid through Jesus Christ. And we didn't have that before. We were enemies of God. Do you know everybody in this room was or is still, if you're not saved, an enemy of God? You're storing up wrath, or you have stored up wrath. To be poured out upon you. Every sin that you've committed. You're filling a cup of wrath to be poured out upon you. Because God is a good God. And he's a just God. And so he has to just he has to justly and righteously judge sin. Because he's not a corrupt judge. He cannot be bought. And so here comes Jesus who made a way for us to be able to, to for that debt to be paid. He took that entire cup of wrath that you were storing up for yourself on the cross and if if you're not his today you're still getting a cup and your cup is getting poured with more and more and more wrath and someday it's going to hit you if you do not have jesus christ as your personal savior tonight it's going to happen because we're we're all it's appointed to every man to die once and we're and then the judgment we're all going to meet him we're all going to stand there naked But here he's saying, man, and here he's saying, but Jesus is here now. There's a way. Gentiles, there's a way. He says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. One thing I just wanted to point out with verse 18, no one has seen the father and lived to tell about it. Does anybody know what religion is founded on the very testimony that they saw the father? Mormonism. Joseph Smith said that God the Father came to him physically and gave him the new and right Christian religion, which is Mormonism. And then the angels gave him the gold tablets, 
And we have the Latter-day Saints from there. The very foundation of his supposed Christian religion is against God's word. No one has seen the Father. They have all kinds of false religions. They also believe that Jesus and God, Jesus and Satan are brothers. Okay, they believe in that we're all spirit children. That God's up there mating with some woman, and we're all just spiritual. Okay, so go ahead and um, read nineteen through twenty-three. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levite, uh, Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, "Who are you?" He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who, se to, to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So here comes the Levites and the and the priests. They're, they're being sent by the Pharisees, clearly, because they want to figure out who this John character is. Because he this John character carried a lot of weight. He was very bold, very powerful in his prophetic voice. We're going to find out here soon. He was baptizing people, you know, and he was declaring the Messiah. And so they were trying to figure out, who are you? I'm not the Christ. They thought, are you the Messiah? Are you him? And he said, no, no, I'm not him. And then he says, well, are you, then are you Elijah? Are you, are you the prophet? Because it was predicted about Elijah and Malachi and then the prophet in De Deuteronomy. And he's like, no, 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 you guys are really missing this whole thing here. He's like, <laughs> actually, you want to know who I am? I am the one prophesied in Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord. This was the one, the forerunner. This was the one prophesied, the forerunner that would come before the Messiah. This is John the Baptist. So he comes before the Messiah. And the reason why he quotes is the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He's the voice of the word that's coming. He's the voice. He's not powerful. It's just the voice of the word that's coming. And he says here, of the one crying in the wilderness, the Israelites, they were, they were like a desert now. So that's what that means. When they were in the wilderness, they were in sin and hypocrisy. And they were, they were just, they were just like they were back in the wilderness again. They thought they were so awesome. They thought they were so elite. They thought that they were the chosen ones, that they were just so, you know, the elite, really. And we see that even today in many, many false religions as well. And they said, actually, you're dry bones. You guys are in the wilderness, roaming around, thinking you got it all together, but you're actually barren. You're actually barren. You're a desert. And he says, so make straight the way of the Lord. His, he, John, preached a gospel of repentance. Listen, the Messiah's here. He's on the scene. You better get your lives together. Is basically what he's saying here. He's taking his flip-flop off, and he's saying, get your lives together. You've got something in your life that's not holy. You've got things in your life that are not pleasing to the Lord. Get it out. Pluck it out. But guess what? That same message is for us today. We got things in our, because guess what? Jesus is returning for a bride without spot and blemish. He's coming back. But you know what? He can come back for you tonight. He can require your soul tonight. Or he can come back in the, in the rapture setting as well. 
which is a whole other topic. But either way, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We don't know if, if it's going to be tonight. God forbid, you know, but it could be. So you better get your lives together. Get your roads straightened up. Pluck that sin out. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Your left hand causes you to sin, your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Don't come back here, though, with, like, one eye and one hand, like, okay? Because this is a metaphor. Jesus did want us to understand is that sin is serious. And we are to be holy, for he is holy. And so if there's anything in your life that's not pleasing to the Lord, it's time to make straight the way of the Lord. Because he's coming. And that's what John was preaching back then. He was preaching to repent. Repent. Because the Messiah is coming. Sisters, I'm going to stop here uh, at at the end of 23 before we go into 24. And I just want to remind you that we really do need to be mindful in how we are living for Jesus Christ, for he is going to return for us, whether he returns for us today or next week, next year, we do not know, but we do know that we need to be in anticipation, ready for his return having that oil filled, having our our wicks trimmed, and ready to meet our bridegroom. He is coming back for a bride without spot and blemish. So Lord, I lift up my sisters to you, Father, and I ask that you help them, Lord. Help me, Father, as we are navigating our sanctification together, that we would be re- prepared for the bridegroom's return, that we would take seriously sin in our lives, take seriously the compromise, lukewarmness, anything that we have um, been winking at, God, in our lives, that, that you, Holy Spirit, would pluck it out of us and strengthen us, Lord, that we would live holy and blameless before you and before uh, all men. Lord, We know that you cover us in your grace and your mercy, and we're grateful for that. We thank you for this road of sanctification that helps us to uh, train us from glory to glory so that we may look more like Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, bless my sisters, Lord, as they are on this road. Strengthen them. Father, bless their finances, bless their homes, their families, Father, I pray for their lost loved ones that they too would know you as Lord and Savior, God. I pray that all of our prayers as we are praying will be answered with yes and amen. Thank you, Lord, for everything you do in our lives. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Till next time. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours. One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crock pot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.